welcome to the 10, well, 10-ish minute recap. We're looking at Isaiah 15 to 35 today. So lots of prophecy coming from the time of Kings Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah of Judah. Now this aligns with 2 Kings 15 to 20 and 2 Chronicles 26 to 32, in case you're interested in going back and looking at the history of those kings. All right, Isaiah chapters 15 and 16, I'm actually gonna treat as one because they contain a very lengthy prophecy against the nation of Moab, who were biological cousins of Israel and Judah through Moab's patriarch, Lot, the nephew of Abraham. But unfortunately, by this time in their history, there was a lot of bad blood between them, as you can see in the prophecy. Isaiah chapter 17 contains a prophecy against Damascus. Now, Damascus was the capital city of Aram, also known as Syria. So a prophecy against Damascus served as a prophecy against the whole nation of Aram. It's important to remember that during Isaiah's lifetime, Aram had teamed up with northern Israel in an attempt to conquer Judah. The prophecy against Damascus does have a bright side, though. It says that the result of judgment and destruction is going to be people turning back to God. Isaiah 18 continues to address the nations surrounding Israel and Judah. This chapter noticeably and notably gives prophecies about Cush and the Cushites, a mighty nation that inspired fear. Isaiah 18 says that they won't be able to stand against God. And in fact, they're going to serve God. So this prophecy has the extra benefit of instruction to Judah. Think about it. If one of the most feared nations will be overcome by and then serve God, maybe, just maybe, Judah should too. Isaiah 19 is a prophecy against Egypt that actually makes use of Egyptian imagery and mythology to drive home the point that God is greater than the Egyptian gods. And the prophecy ends in a familiar way with Egypt worshiping God. Isaiah 20 is dated to the year that King Sargon of Assyria took the city of Ashdod, which historians can date. They date this event to 711 BC. Now it predicted the defeat of Egypt and Cush and Isaiah had to take off the clothing of mourning that he had been wearing and prophesy naked, just like the Egyptians and Cushites would be paraded around naked by the, by the successful conquering Assyrians. Isaiah 21 then prophesies the future fall of Babylon, how it will be sweet relief for the oppressed people of God who are pictured as grain being crushed uh, and of course, it's Babylon doing the crushing of this grain on the threshing floor. Now, much later in time, the apostle John would quote this chapter in his book, Revelation. Babylon has fallen, has fallen. Now, also in chapter 21, we get brief mentions of Edom's fall and Arabia's fall. Isaiah 22 swings our focus back to Jerusalem, and it's not good. She's given an ironic title, the Valley of Vision. It's ironic because the, spirit, the people are spiritually blind, of course, though their city sits on a hill and they claim to be spiritually wise, to be able to see and understand everything. There are two accusations given out here. One, that destruction has come to Jerusalem because the people have not repented. And two, that the attitudes of the officials are typified by Shebna, the palace administrator in Jerusalem who's supposed to be concerned with the preservation of the city, but 
Instead, he has put an enormous amount of effort into making himself a beautiful and fine tomb that will preserve his name, his fame. It's going to last. Of course, this adds to the irony, right? Because just as Shebna has been focused on making himself a fine tomb, so Jerusalem as a whole has made their city a fine tomb for themselves by not repenting. Beautiful, but dead and ripe for destruction. Isaiah says that Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, will take Shebna's job. Okay, Isaiah 23 then contains prophecies against Tyre and Sidon, sister port cities that were really bulwarks. They were economic powerhouses on the Mediterranean Sea. They controlled trade in the area and they had for generations. The city's destructions are foretold. And again, we see a huge theme of Isaiah's prophecies that were meant to teach, right? If all the prophets, if, if all the prophets of these powerful cities would eventually be gods anyway, then why not trust God rather than these temporary power holders? Sure, they're economically powerful, but that's all going to be gods because he's going to destroy it physically anyway. Isaiah 24 begins a section of prophecy that zooms out for us, right? It looks at the big picture of God and the world. So in the prophecy, God judges the entire world, not just singular nations. Then Isaiah 25 contains a song of praise to God for his just judgment of the world and for saving people. We're shown an image of a banquet prepared by God and how he's going to destroy death and wipe away tears and remove his people's disgrace. Isaiah 26 is a song of praise to God from the land of Judah, whom he has restored to life and peace. The bulk of Isaiah 27 is focused on the restoration of Israel and Judah, and it uses ancient Near Eastern mythology of the chaos monster, Leviathan, in which Baal, by destroying Leviathan, creates the natural order. But in Isaiah, it's only God who is sovereign and who could bring about order. Isaiah 28 is a woe to the leaders of Israel and Judah. So the priests, prophets, and officials they were going to be judged and the Messiah would take their place as a true godly leader. Isaiah 29 is a woe to Jerusalem called Ariel here, which could mean city of God or lion of God. But the point in Isaiah 29 is that Ariel sounds like the Hebrew word for altar hearth. So essentially Isaiah is saying Jerusalem may be the city of God, but God is going to make it like an altar and you, people, a burnt offering. So destruction is coming to Jerusalem. Isaiah 30 goes into detail about why it is that Judah is being judged. It indicts the people of really specific sins. Isaiah 31 is a woe to the people for relying on an alliance with Egypt rather than on their relationship with God. Isaiah 32 contrasts what a righteous kingdom should look like to what's actually going on in Judah. Isaiah 33 is a call and response chapter. It has God denouncing the destroyer, which was Assyria in this case, and God's people calling out to him for mercy and then God responding to them. Isaiah 34 talks about God's day of vengeance against all the nations for their evil. And finally, Isaiah 35, it focuses on the joyful reality of life after God has judged evil. It's a good thing. 
The details here are worth a read because they typify the kingdom of God arriving on earth. Very clear themes that Jesus and the apostles worked and preached in the New Testament. Here's verse 5 to 10 for a flavor of it. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee. It's really no wonder that Jesus performed those miracles, is it? And the apostles after him to announce the kingdom of God as it's described here in Isaiah. All right, guys, that's it for today. Pop down your comments and any questions that you have down below. And until next time, happy reading and happy studying. Thank you so much for watching. We want to keep producing high quality biblical content, but we can't do it without your support. If you feel called to support us, please click the link in the description under donate. Your support really means a lot to us.